Uh, let me just clear up before I get started. Uh, my wife did not beat me up. She has been a good wife to me, taking care of me. Um, and the way I injured my arm was playing basketball. So I need to clear that up right now before everyone keeps on. I don't know why women, y'all have a bad reputation because everyone says what your wife beat you up. I don't know what the problem is. We got to have some counseling on that, ladies. But let us start our service in a word of prayer as we look into God's word. Our Father, we thank you. Thank you that you are great, you are awesome. Father, we recognize that there is none like you. And Father, I know that I have nothing to say this morning, and you have everything to say. Father, I pray that you'd use me. I pray that you'd use your word, because again, your word is all that we have. And your spirit will help us to understand your word. And we just thank you, we just pray again, you'll be on in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. We have entered a new year, and as we know, most people like to say, this is the year I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to exercise more regularly. I want to do everything I can to make sure 2020 is that year for me to be the new me. I want to flip that around as we start 2020 and ask you this question. Are you ready to be a healthy church? Or are you ready to be a healthy church member? You see, I think too many times we put so much emphasis on the things that we have made church to be that we forget that this is just a building. We say so many times we are going to church. But let us not forget that we, as born-again believers, are the church. This is just a place that we come to worship together, but we must recognize that we are the church, the people. Whether this building is here or not, the church will always be there because the church is you and me. In a church bulletin I saw one time, I, I saw this article, and I thought it was so good as we so many times go through the motions of doing church and what church that we think church is. And this is what it says. I used to view the worship service in church as a time for entertainment. Speaking of folks like me, Soren Kirkard said that we tend to think of church as a kind of theater. We sit in the audience, attentively watching the actors on stage. It's sufficiently entertained. We show our gratitude with applause. Church, though, should be the opposite of theater. God is the audience for our worship. What matters most takes place within the hearts of the congregation, not on stage. We should leave a worship service asking ourselves, not what did I get out of it, but rather was God pleased with what happened? God took pains to specify details of animals' sacrifice for the ancient Israelites in their worship. Yet he said that he didn't need their animals. I will not take a bull from your house nor goats out of your foals, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills, Psalms 59 and 10. What he wanted was their praise and obedience. By focusing on the externals of worship, we too miss the point. The Lord is interested in a sacrifice of the heart, an internal attitude of submission and thanksgiving. The goal of worship is nothing less than to meet and please our God. Lord, may our worship and our praise from heart surrendered to your ways be worthy of offerings love for all your blessings from above. Spur. So this morning, we want to look at what is a healthy church. What is a healthy church member? But before we look into the text this morning, we let us remember the church was born on the day of Pentecost. As Peter preached the word and 3,000 responded and the church was born. Which brings us to our text. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. 
And it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. If you have your building, you would notice on the back of your building, it has seven points as signs of a healthy church. And there are many other signs, but these are the seven signs we want to look at from this text. And the first one is devotion to the word. Acts 2, 42a and 43 say, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonder and signs were being done through the apostles. You see, the teaching of the word is important that this is the first thing that Luke starts with. And he's saying to them, look, you need to be devoted to the teaching of the word. And this isn't just talking about us who sometimes go through the motions of we have our little, you know, reading of the day, and, you know, we do what we have to do. Like some people want to say, I want to read through the Bible this year, and which is a great thing to do. But I ask you, what is it that you're studying? Let's be honest. Sometimes we do that reading, and we just want to get done because that's what we think we're supposed to do. And we think that's what God wants us to do. Let's just get it out of the way. But God is calling us, as he called the early church, to a devotion to the word. You see, all spiritual awakenings involve the teaching of the word. When we consider in Nehemiah chapter 8, as the people read the scriptures from early in the morning till midday, and the people just kept on saying, amen, 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 because they wanted to hear the word, and they heard the word, and they liked what they were hearing. We see the Apostle Paul throughout the book of Acts, in Acts 18, 11, it says, And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. You see, Paul knew the importance of teaching the word and also to teach sound doctrine. As he instructed Timothy and Titus to preach sound doctrine as he knew that so many false doctrines were entering the church. You see, this is important for us because a lot of us listen to preachers on TV and we think what they have to say is the gospel. But we must go back to God's word. Even from this same pulpit, we must go to God's Word and see what God's Word has to say because at the end of the day, we have to study God's Word for ourselves. We have to know what we believe. We have to know what the Word, the text says. We can't just depend on somebody teaching us. We have to know for ourselves. In verse 43, it said, the wonders and signs. This shows what the apostle teaching was from God. It wasn't just to show you know, just a message, but it was to show that, hey, they have sent this message from God. Listen to it. People's lives are being changed. So I ask you, as we think of a healthy member, if you're walking in the Spirit, are you going to desire to listen and study God's Word? I ask you, what do you desire? Do you desire milk, or do you desire just enough because you feel it's required? Or do you want to say, I want to get the meat. I want to study God's Word. I want to get deeper into God's Word. I want to know what God has, and I want to know him more. Which brings us to the second point, devotion to one another. Acts 2, 42b, 44, and 46a say this, and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all who believed were together and had all things in common day by day. 
You see, we first looked at the diet of the church. We looked at, we need to study God's word. We need to know what we need to know. Now we're looking at the exercise. We're looking at what we need to do to put into practice. And we see what happened in the early church. They did life together. Everything was one another. They were all about doing things together. Day by day. I ask you, what has happened today in the early church? What has happened in today's church that we don't have time for people? We don't have time to fellowship with one another. We don't have time to invite people in our homes. Or we sometimes don't want to do that because that makes life messy. That means I have to be transparent before you. I have to let you see who I am. My house may not be to the standard that you may think it has to be too. You see, that's not, they weren't concerned about that in the early church. All they were concerned about was doing life together. They were about being transparent with one another. You see, when we think of, just like with the physical exercise, that sometimes is hard to do, the same thing happens when it comes to the spiritual exercise in this passage, the fellowship. The Bible has over 50 what they call one another's. I'm going to read a couple to you. In John 13, 34, it says, I give you a new command to love one another just as I have loved you, you also to love one another. Romans 12, 10 says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Romans 12, 10 says, also outdo one another in showing honor. Romans 15, 14 says, instruct one another. Galatians 6, 2 says, carry one another's burdens. 1 Thessalonians 4, 18 says, encourage one another. And James 5, 16, which is something that we need to listen to because, again, we don't like to do life and we don't like to be transparent. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. You see, we need to recognize that the church is a place that we should be able to talk to our brothers and sisters about life. We are to do life together. And if we can't do life together as the church, as born-again believers, who do we expect the world to see us? when we can't even get along. You see, I think that we have allowed church, the so-called, as we say, this is church. We've allowed what we do on a Sunday for one hour to be enough. This is what we do. We come to church for this hour, 15 minutes, may go to Sunday school, and that's it for the week. We don't have no communication with anyone in this local assembly no more. Well, no, you know what? Maybe we have ministries. Maybe we come to choir. Maybe we go to these other ministries. But I ask you, are you really doing life together? Or is it just a a thing that you do? Because this is what the early church did. They wanted to do life together. And the reality is that we need to stop doing church. And we need to be the church. We need to stop just doing and going through the motions of what we think this is. And we need to start being what the church is to the world. And it has to start with us. You see, I know for me, when I consider my life, I wouldn't be where I am today without people investing in my life, coming alongside of me and encouraging me to be where I am today. And I'm sure that's a lot of your stories in here this morning. And I ask you this question, why has it stopped, in a sense? It's because we've gotten too busy sometimes. And we've gotten busy doing the wrong things. Instead of being busy encouraging one another. That's what the Bible tells us to do. 
a couple of months ago at a youth service, I talked a little bit about investing in the next generation. I asked you, what have you done since then? Have you found someone to invest in, to duplicate as Paul has called us to do? In his classic book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. May we never forget that. You see, the reality when we think of our lives is this. As a born-again believer, we are all the same, no matter how old you are, no matter your background, wherever you come from. We are all sinners saved by grace. That's the reality. So we're all messy people. But we have a Savior who saved us from that messy life. Brings us to our third point. Devotion to breaking of bread. Acts 2.46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Again, we've already seen this in verse 42. But Luke again shows us that this was very important for the early church. To do every day as they wanted to put the forefront of everything, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They wanted to reflect on this daily. You see, we don't have to just come to this local place to do the breaking of bread. We can do it in our homes. We can invite other believers, other Christians in our homes, and we can do it. Because that's what we are supposed to be doing, reflecting. We should always be in that reflecting mode of what Christ has done for us. It doesn't have to just be once a month here. We can invite others into our home and we can do the same thing as we reflect on what Christ has done. The fourth point is devotion to prayer. Verse 42 says, and the prayers. We see throughout the book of Acts as, as the Paul talks and as different people, prayer is such a valuable thing. And we also see in today's society how much we need prayer. But the sad thing about today's society is this. If people have said, if you want to see the least amount of people in a building, tell them you have a prayer meeting. Tell them you're having a prayer meeting and that's probably you'll see the least amount of people. You see, the saying goes, no power, no prayer, no power. Instead, we need much prayer and much power. Now, let me be transparent right here and say, I don't get to make Monday night prayer meeting every week. And many of you probably can't either. But let me ask you a question. Are you praying for this local assembly? Are you praying for the ministries? Are you praying for your leaders? Are you praying for the young people? Are you praying and the list could go on and on and on? Because it didn't say we had to just come here. Yes, we want to corporately come together and pray. But we can pray where we are at. You see, when we consider this, the thing about it is, is when we pray for someone, it's hard for us to talk about them. And that's why we need to pray for our fellow believers. Pray for those people. We need to be praying because that helps us to remember you see, all of this reminds us that a healthy church is a praying church. The early church had few earthly resources, but that didn't keep them from shaking the world for Christ because they had heavenly resources. 
that they experience through dependent on prayer. What are we dependent on? Are we dependent on ourselves? Are we dependent on our prayers and what we, how we talk to God? Which brings us to our fifth point. Radical generosity, especially within the church. In Acts 2.45, it said, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributed them for seeds to all as any had need. We also see this in Acts chapter 4, verses 32. And it says this, Now the full number of those who believed were one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. Let me read that again. There was not a needy person among them. For as many were owners of lands or houses, sold them and brought their proceeds of what they sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Notice what it said there. No needy people. This is something that we can't grasp as we look around. We see so many people with needs, whether it be physical or spiritual needs. William McDonald says this. Many argue that this sharing of goods was a temporary phase of life in the early church and was not intended to be an example to us. Such reasoning only exposes our own spiritual poverty. If we had the power of Pentecost in our hearts, we would have the fruits of Pentecost in our lives. Can you imagine this display of generosity that people had? Now, let me just say this. I don't own no land, and I'm not telling anyone in here to go sell your land and sell your houses and bring the money next week and put it here. I'm not saying that. Now, if you want to do that, we'll accept it. All right? We will, right? But the reality is, is this. There were no needy people. And let me just say this. We may look at this and say, well, for someone in this room who may not have as much as we think, like I said, I don't own a property, I don't own a house. And we may say, well, that's for those who have those things. But guess what? I want to challenge each and every one of us in this room. Because I can guarantee if we are all honest with ourselves, there are things that we can cut out that we can help and give more to our local assembly here. And we know that we have needs. We already read one of those needs this morning. And we know when we see the financial updates, there are needs. And I think if we really examine, as we think of, you know, the women's might, she gave all that she could. The widow's might, sorry. Just like us. Any one of us, we can give all that we can. But we need to search and see what areas that we can say, you know what, I don't need to do this. I want to help people in my local assembly. It's the reality is the church is supposed to be a place that people can get help. Not a place of discouragement, not a place of, you know, we can't help. But it should be a place where we can do all that we can to help one another. Which brings us to the sixth point. Remain in constant awe of God. Praising God and having favor with all the people. You see, we need to remain in constant awe of God. I want you to imagine for a second when you first came to know Christ, your Lord and personal Savior. And I, I want you to think, because knowing some people, they were so excited that they felt they could take on the whole world. 
and nothing was going to stop them because it was all new to them. I ask you, what has happened to us? Have we lost that awe? Are we not passionate about Christ as we were when we first came to know him? The reality is that we study God's word and know him more. We should be more in awe. And guess what? I'm one of those people that I don't like to hear the word awesome unless you describe in God. Because there's only one thing and one person awesome, that's God himself. And nothing can compare to God. So I like ice cream just like the average person, but ice cream ain't awesome. Only God's awesome. And when we recognize that and we uh, look at Christ and we see the sinner that we were and what he's done in our lives, all we can do is worship and adore that name. Because it is only through what he has done in our lives. And I know that many of us go through difficult times. And we may be going through a difficult time right now. But imagine if you didn't have that Savior to go through life with. How much more difficult life would be without going through it with Jesus Christ. You would have no hope. But because of Jesus Christ, we have hope. Which brings us to the seventh point. Evangelize through word and deed. Acts 2.47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. You see, the early church lived out what it meant to be a follower of Christ. It's because of their genuine faith that the Lord added to their number day by day. You see, the same thing that God called the early church to do, he is calling us to do. He's calling us to go out and preach the gospel, to spread the good news. And like I said, it is in word and deed. Because we can't let our mouths say one thing and our deeds do another thing. It has to line up together. Don't let our deeds disqualify our words or vice versa. If we follow Christ, let everything that we do show that in what we, the way we talk and the things that we do. Again, it said, how are people added to the number of believers? The, of course, we know the Lord out of them because he does the work, but he used the early church to do it. Just like he wants to use me and you to do it. So I ask you, what would people say about your life? Do your words and deeds line up with what you say you believe? If we say that Christ is enough, do we truly mean that in the way we conduct ourselves? Or if Christ is the most important thing in our lives, does that show in the way we do things? You see, Christ should be what we're all about. Every part of our lives should be centered around Christ as a born-again believer, as the church. You see, a healthy church will have a burden for outsiders. They will boldly and compassionately proclaim the gospel to their friends, neighbors, and co-workers. You see, we need to make sure that we have a witness. Because the reality is that you're going to see people who I will never see. And I'm going to see people who you will never see. 
But if we are all in this together and we are all trying to tell people about Christ and doing all that we can to bring people to Christ, and again, we have to make sure that we understand that God does the work and we take no honor and no glory for it. That's what we want to see Calvary Bible Church become. That we grow because people are coming to know Christ. Because we are doing our job as a born-again believer. We are preaching the gospel. We are telling people about Christ. And again, that we let our actions and our words line up together. So how do we apply this? What are some of the signs for you as a Calvary Bible Church member? Biblical nourishment. Do you desire to study God's word and know him more? Like, do you want to know him more? Do you desire to study his word more and to get to know him more daily? Or are you just satisfied with just doing the minimal? Let me do my daily reading and that's it. Let me come here on, a, on one hour a week and I've done enough. The reality is if you're doing that, you're hurting the whole body. And every part of the body has to work together. Believe me, I know. You need every part, every part of your body. Which brings us to the second one, loving fellowship. Because of your relationship with God, do you desire fellowship with other believers outside these four walls? In fact, what I would like for you to do right now is to think of someone that you can write down on the back of the bulletin and say, we need to invite these people to our house. Or we need to invite this person to go out to eat or do something, whatever it may be. Because we want to do life together. We want to be the body that Christ has called us to be. To do it together. Number three, vibrant worship. Are you experiencing awe and joy in your Christian life? Or are you stagnant? Where you're basically to a point where, you know what? You're in that desert. And you need some help. The reality is that's where that fellowship is going to come in. When you can meet with other brothers and sisters in small, in small places. To just encourage one another. You see, it's hard to do it in a big group like this. But when we get together outside and we do these little small things, we encourage one another intimately and keep each other accountable, and we need that. Which brings us to the last one. Word and deed outreach. Do you speak the gospel to others and allow your actions to line up with your words? Again, don't let one disqualify the other. But be a true man and a true woman of God. And let Christ be all that you are. And people see what Christ is doing in your life. Again, if we just look at this as church, we're missing out. But if we want Calvary Bible Church to be a healthy church in 2020, let's look at what the early church did and practice what they have done. And I think this will help us as a church to be the best church, local assembly that we could possibly be for 2020. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. 
Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray that we would not just hear your word and just do life the same. But Father, we would listen to your word and we would change and be different. And first of all, individually, that we would be a healthy member of the church. And Father, I'm not talking about just a healthy member of Calvary Bible Church. I'm talking about a healthy member of your church because this, whatever church and, and followers and believers of Christ, we're all one in this together. But I would pray that you would help this local assembly to be the healthiest church that we could possibly be. That we would be a church that does the one another's. That we would fellowship with one another. That we would do all that we can to get involved in each other's life. And even though life is messy, that we would not just be there to put each other down, but we would be encouraging. Because, Father, so many times the church is supposed to be a place that shows love and, and concern and encouragement, but sometimes it's a place that shows discouragement and kicks people down when they're down. And we don't want to be that type of local assembly. And, Father, I just pray that you'd be with us this year, that we would have your plans, your goals, your vision, and that we'd be the healthiest body that we can possibly be to bring honor and glory to your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.